This is season three of the Dundeal Football Podcast. And in this season, I'm going to be talking mainly about my football industry and covered course I did on YouTube um, towards the beginning of this year. I touch on loads of interesting topics, including football transfers, player contracts, boot deals explained, what goes into an image rights contract, FFP, player football agency, third party investments, etc. Hope there's loads of good content for you to get stuck into. And as always, let me have your comments, your feedback. I very much hope you enjoy it. Happy listening. So um, as usual, I try and do things in threes. Um, my three areas or sub areas to discuss today um, on the general topic of agents is number one, just trying to give probably just a bit more of a balanced view of agents. Um, there's certainly a slanted view of agents um, that they don't do much and get paid fortunes, which obviously isn't the case. Um, so I think a more balanced view is important. Um, also, the second point that I wanted to talk about in a bit more detail um, specifically is all of the work that um, agents have to do for their clients, and that isn't necessarily the glamorous stuff. And the third element, which is sometimes underplayed, is the work that um, agents can do for clubs. So it's not always the case that the agents will be working for their clients as players. A lot of the time, agents will also work club side brokering deals um, between um, other clubs um, and the client that they are working for. Sometimes the buying club, sometimes the selling club, sometimes the player too. And I'm pleased to say we've got Dr. Urquhart, who is um, a pretty prominent football um, agent, a very prominent football agent joining us. So Urquhart, hopefully you'll be able to also answer a couple of questions for tonight, maybe as well, maybe can uh, put them your way as well. So um, as always, all the videos um, will be posted and um, are going to be uh, available um, online afterwards. Um, so you can watch them. As always, please uh, share, tell people about um, the uh, the channel that we're doing. This obviously is just an educational tool to try and help as much of you with um, understanding the football industry in a little bit more detail. And then I'll do my usual recommendations afterwards. Uh, and then hopefully there'll be some great questions too. So um, if the first element is um, effectively a more balanced view on agents, I think what I wanted to probably just start off with is probably trying to at least set out that I think from the public's perspective, being an agent on the whole, um, or as FIFA calls them, intermediaries, um, is only a glamorous, high-profile and pretty lucrative profession um, for what many people think demands little work and, and effort. Um, and agents are often seen as the, the, the curse, really, of the modern game. Um, the people responsible for driving transfer fees and prices and wages up or down, depending on who um, the agent is working for. Um, and as a result, I think a lot of the time, you know, a lot of the questions I get asked can be, oh, well, what's the benefit of um, agents in football? And my answer to that is, is that it's a lot more nuanced than that. And it's important to go into some of the detail about what agents actually do day to day. Um, and I try and set out a bit more of a balanced view in, in my book. But my own view, for what it's worth, and, um, you know, for <laughs> conflicts perspective, I generally tend to work with agents and players. So I get to see this in a lot more detail. Um, but, you know, in my mind, agents are pretty essential um, and play a really important role in 
um, effectively as a, a, a lubricant for the market. They are the ones with better information about how things work more generally and are pretty vital. Um, and more so than that, there's an endless amount, a huge amount of pretty hardworking agents who are sometimes paid very well, but do a fantastic job for their clients. You know, it's easy to, I think, sometimes look at the super agents like Riola, um, who represents Pogba and makes 40, reportedly makes 40 million pounds from his client's transfer from United to Juve and just look at the condemnation of that and just suggest that um, it's totally ludicrous that agents should be paid that much amount of money. But I think the, the point being generally is, um, you know, I think such prominent agents and the types of fees and commissions they'll be making, they're obviously a huge outlier in the market. And I think they, in a way, colour the media's portrayal of the profession. Not all deals are as lucrative, high profile, high earning, um, pressurised or otherwise. So I think that's one thing to, to bear in mind as well um, is there's high-profile agents, Raiola, Zahavi, Mendez, and obviously um, uh, Dr. Sergut as well with um, his brilliant clients too. Um, but I think what usually happens is because those deals um, are so high, they make such headlines, but they're so such in the minority that um, somehow everyone's judgment about agents gets coloured accordingly. So just because, um, you know, elite clubs are willing to pay, you know, record fees and wages for world-class players, um, that th there's not a huge number of those type of deals. Usually the vast majority of the agents are working um, not for huge sums, but having to still do a lot of the hard graft. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat it for anybody. It's a very hard existence being an agent. Um, but the best agents are, you know, brilliant negotiators, impressive networkers. They've got unbelievable connections. Um, but I think fans and the wider public usually have a pretty distorted view of agents, believing that, you know, an agent can make one call, set up a meeting, make huge amounts of money. And I think in my experience of working with a lot of agents and players over you know, a long period of time that, you know, on the whole doesn't happen at all. So that, that's my tuppence worth for uh, maybe a slightly more balanced view of agents. Um, the second area I wanted to touch on as well is, um, you know, all of the hard work that um, agents do for their clients, the players. And I'll obviously just want to, to sort of emphasize the point that a lot of the time, a lot of agents won't actually have too many clients as players. They'll act for brokers on the, the club side. And we can talk about that in some detail as well. But um, yeah, I think it's important just to understand that, that the hard yards for the agents when they're working with their clients, the players can be pretty significant. And yeah, agreed, agents can earn significant sums and they're rewarded partly, I think, because one of the things I mentioned in um, the book um, is because of the fragility and unpredictable nature of their job. Uh, granted, um, the glamorous signing ceremonies um, is part of the is only the tip of the iceberg for you know when you can um, get your client in front of the camera. It's on the club website. Everyone's really happy and the rest of it. But the primary role of the player's agent, although it's obviously to sign the big deals and to do the um, uh, the important, hard, high-profile work. Actually, I think it's a lot of the time is to understand on one hand when to push aggressively for a transfer, to push hard for a contract renegotiation, or on the other hard, on the other hand, really know when to push back a lot of the time, which can be when best the, uh, to be the diplomat to be able to understand 
the man management of the the team to understand um, how a player will function best in that team. So, you know, I, I mentioned the book and whenever I talk with Dr. Urka as well on a number of occasions in all of our seminars we do, a lot of the time what we are effectively saying or he says, and I listen a lot of the time, but um, have had the pleasure of working with him on is that, you know, an agent's doing their best work when managing and leveraging situations. And that can be obviously positive and negative, but in the end, it's got to be for his clients, his and her clients' benefit. Um, and I think then the other bit that needs to probably be picked up there as well is, you know, a large part of what an agent is doing specifically relates to identifying and signing up talent. A lot of it can be young talent. Um, and you can sometimes agents can spend a decent amount of time representing players who actually never make the grade or make any type of return um, and that can be for lots of different reasons injury form breakdown in relationships etc so you know agents can spend huge amounts of years building relationships with players and always facing the risk that the player who they may have invested lots of time and effort in um, changes heart and moves to a competitor you know I think the the thing that I see whenever I'm working in industry generally is the industry is a pretty fragile place to be. It's a pretty insecure, high-risk industry because of the life-changing deals that can be on offer. Um, and it's a pretty unforgiving place generally. Um, so that's two, which is doing the dirty work for the players. And that's obviously um, the day-to-day. -day. I know Dr. Eckhart, I remember uh, we talk specifically about um, it can be anything from, you know, um, uh, going to matches, entertaining clients, you know, effectively being um, the player's confidant, brother, sister, um, uncle, best friend, you know, truth talker, all of these um, roles combined, which can make it... Um, a pretty difficult seven um, existence. So that's on the player side. What I also wanted to mention, which isn't usually as seen in as much detail potentially, is obviously when clubs can also help. Uh, sorry, when agents can also help clubs. So we've already talked about transfers last week to a degree, but when buying a player, the club will usually obviously identify a number of targets, and they may approach the club asking permission to speak to a particular player. Um, and they may also engage an agent to liaise with the agents of the players they've identified. Query, yes. Um, there may be tapping, issue, tapping up issues that occur. We saw exist, um, examples of um, Virgil van Dijk um, and the potential complaint that Southampton made to the Premier League when um, Klopp was reported to have met van Dijk before his subsequent transfer, um, £75 million transfer to, to Liverpool later down the line. Um, but one of the benefits, at least, of agents acting, sometimes for selling clubs, um, is that via intermediaries, the identity of the buying club sometimes can be hidden, at least initially. I'm not saying that can be done the whole way, but it usually means that it can avoid wasted approaches. Um, the reason for that sometimes is, in my experience and speaking to a lot of agents, is you know, major Premier League clubs can sometimes be quoted pretty inflated transfer fees if the club goes direct. So engaging an agent to agree a fee may actually reduce a transfer fee or keep it at a more reasonable level, or the agent um, may actually have a good relationship with the uh, buying club. There may be particular elements that um, and prices or price points that they're aware of, which the um, the um, 
the buying selling club may need may not have perfect information on so sometimes that approach can help and it, then it can be you know i've seen examples where um those type of instances are basically called an english premium and that can be common practice where for example an italian club quotes a transfer fee for a premier league club but also a lower transfer fee for all other clubs simply because of the huge broadcasting deals that are on offer um and the the large money that premier league clubs at least um uh, can can potentially um offer um clubs around the world so sometimes an agent um acting for a premier league team may be tasked to reduce the transfer fee and get a better deal and the incentive then for that club or that agent maybe is that they take a cut of that cost saving and that's an important element to consider is it needs to incentivize both the agent to find the right deal and the club to find a cost saving as a result now what can also be the case is that agents may well be willing to be used as scapegoats for um, a selling club um that wants to drive a hard bargain for one of their stars or a player wants to move on so it's pretty essential i know you know agents get given a bad rep all the time but club clubs need good agents for both buying and selling players and i think most clubs realize this and they build up pretty strong relationships with trusted agents so that deals can be pushed through when they need to happen so you know my my view generally is that clubs on the whole tend to try and avoid burning bridges with agents i know it can happen on occasion and there's some high profile reported examples of it but on the whole clubs need agents as much as agents um will need players so you know some may ask why clubs need agents to sell their players and i agree to a degree sometimes it may not be necessary um and it may well be sometimes agents can attract better transfer value for the clubs and the reason why that can sometimes be the case um is that they may have an in more intricate network of clubs interested in signing those a particular player and the club benefits from outsourcing a process that maybe may take up a significant amount of time from a chief executive um or a director of football who's maybe their job is to do that but may not have particular connections and um um and nuanced relationships as necessary so it's also the case i think that's important to note that agents may also be aware of moving parts for various deals that can cause chain reactions and individual club executives may not have that visibility um it may well be that agents are able to offer alternative um uh, alternative options for a situation a club doesn't even realize has developed um so i think more generally what i would say and in my experience as well as that you know the best agents are pretty aware of the market in which they operate and really do appreciate the sort of club dynamics it may well be that chairman take on a hands on role at a particular club um it may be that a transfer committee um uh, makes particular decisions and then someone is head of that particular committee to be able to make those calls at the right times and agents need to be aware of the dynamics involved in each club who is looking to be bought who's looking to be sold the budgets of each of those clubs how the dynamics change throughout the window and all the nuances and personalities when trying to push through or um sell or buy or offer particular players at particular times because ultimately clubs aren't stupid they're only looking for the players that they're looking for so if you can imagine you're an agent that works across 40 or 50 different clubs um and trying to push a couple of that those agent that agent's players into particular clubs 
there's no point offering a club a player that they're completely not interested in because they just won't pick up the phone to you for the next time. Um, so, you know, for each club that an agent is speaking to, you need to be extremely well versed in the relationships internally in the club, what they are after, and how you can help solve a problem for them. And the best agents are brilliant, brilliant problem solvers and find solutions um, in lots of elements. So they were the three things um, I wanted to uh, touch on. I know we've probably got um, quite a few questions popping up already, which is great. I'm just going to um, expand my window so I can try and see most of those. Um, make this a little bit bigger so I can see a few more questions as we go. Um, and then let's start at the, the top as things go on. So uh, we've got uh, Luis. Um, I'm about to establish the agency, so the webinar will be very useful. Great, Luis, I hope you um, get going with the agency and I hope that has been of some use. Um, Hilda Georgina, uh, super agents such as Mendez, Rayola, Barnett gain significant media attention. What are the legal issues with FIFA's proposal to cap fees paid to intermediaries? Yep, um, I think we're going to talk about that um, in terms of how agents get paid um, in a couple of days' time. But at least the brief element there is that FIFA's proposal is to cap um, that agents, football agents, can receive for transactions, for player contract renegotiations or, and or transfers. And the way that's going to effectively work is that um, it's going to be limited to um, 6% if you're acting as an agent for the player and the buying club and 10% of a transfer fee if you're acting for a selling club. So they're the very, very brief outlines, and we can talk about a little bit more detail um, in the coming days in a couple of other sessions we've got too. Stephen, um, does the more nuanced way that EU agents work lead to players agreeing to take cash up front and agree to transfer fee and agree to a transfer fee instead of playing out a contract as in US? Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky one. It's it's all back to the same point of how far you um you want to let your contract run out. Um, a player wants to run their contract down, and that can obviously be down to pretty detailed strategic planning on the part of the agents and the player to decide whether they want to use the leverage of um a contract running down to establish um you know a higher wage and signing on fee or whether they are happy to run the clock down and take the view like um, some have done, like Emre Chan when he was at Liverpool, moved um, to, to Juve um, and earned pretty lucrative sums as well as signing on fees and loyalty bonuses. Unfortunately, didn't work out for him there. So it's just an evolving point, which is there's always a playoff um, and um, it can just literally depend on each particular um, situation. Uh, Lewis again. Do you think that the future FIFA agents intermediaries regulations are likely to weed out weaker agents? Um, it depends how you class weaker agents, I guess. I still think that there are a huge number of registered agents that don't necessarily do any deals simply because they don't have any clients and don't have the particular relationships. But I think what is likely to happen, um, one of the elements is that an agent's exam is probably going to be required again. Query who the agent, uh, what, um, who has to pass that exam, established agents before the latest regulations came in, whether they have to pass the exam again or do an update. 
but um, I think if the point is is that um, if an exam is necessary, there's obviously going to be a pretty well. I should put it the other way around: the um, success rate on passing the um, the previous exam was particularly high. So um, if you need to study and pass the exam and know the regulations and understand how national and FIFA regulations work, then that's going to be an expense and a time-consuming expense. So I think there's going to be less agents for sure. Um, it just depends about when um, those um, new regulations come in and when that exam is likely to be passed. Michael, what is your opinion on the increasing influence of agents on domestic leagues clubs? Is it a sort of distortion of competition? For example, Mendes has transformed um, Familiaco this season and whilst transferring his clients from there to other clubs. Should there be a limitation on such transfers, in your opinion? I'm sorry for the long question. No, it's a, it's a great question. Um, there are regulations in place. I don't know outside of the UK, but there are regulations in place which prohibit um, uh, agents having an influence over clubs. Um, that's in the intermediate regulations. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. There hasn't been, I believe, any substantive public statements from particular regulatory bodies on certain situations, like the examples you give, as to why or whether there have been any regulatory breaches or not. I'm sure they've been looked into. Um, so uh, I, I can't offer any more opinion than that, only that. You know, an agent can't have an influence over a club simply because there could be those inherent conflicts that you that you talk about. Um, Sinir, so uh, hi Daniel, saw Dr. Ruckett saying he acted on both sides with respect to Ozil's extension. How does that actually work? Well, just in, in, in practice, what happens in, um, uh, in my experience of working on um, EPL transfers is that what tends to happen is that um, when doing the transaction, transfer or contract renegotiation, an agent works on behalf of his, of his or her player, but also, also acts for the buying club as well. Um, and that effectively means is that the club pays the player's agent for two things, for player services and for club services. And that can have a tax impact. Um, and we can talk about that in a bit more detail too. Um, so question, so, uh, uh, I'm not sure what, uh, PNUK means in terms of joining Barca, but I'll have to fall back on that one for a second. Javier, with the increase of data and various scouting apps, do you see less margin for work for deal broker agents in promoting more remote and specific markets? And similarly, perhaps promote a player which is not your client, but may have good connections in certain European markets. Yeah, it's a really good one as well. So the, the, there are there is tech which is effectively disrupting to a degree the agent's market where there's, a, I think, an app called Transfer Room. Um, and Transfer Room does broker deals and put, gives clubs better and greater sense of information as to what players may be available at particular times. So, yeah, completely agree there. There's lots of um, apps that are available to at least scout particular markets to be able to bring clubs together. Um, but more importantly, maybe that there's another type of company uh, I've mentioned them a few times, one 21st Club, and they do fantastic work in effectively looking across their data sets, looking for um, you know untapped talent, really, those that are showing very good and interesting benchmarking numbers um, that may be of interest to particular clubs, but also in the same way may be of interest 
to agents who are looking then to sign those players and those players obviously then um, moving up the, the football ladder um, and becoming success stories in themselves. Um, another one from Stephen, why do EU clubs need agents when this is never happens in the US? Um, I, I simply don't know the answer to that because I'm not quite sure what happens in the US um, in terms of selling players. But yeah, it, uh, it's um, a common theme. I know Dr. Urquhart will maybe talk about it on his talk on Thursday about the particular instances of why he believes in some instances it's not necessary to have agents act for a selling club. Um, why the director of football's role or the head um, um, or the chief executive or the chairman can't be doing that type of role. So, yeah, I, I understand the point. Um, a lot of cases, um, uh, it can be because clubs have very strong relationships with particular agents and they're happy for the agents to do that particular work. Uh, I saw a couple of questions coming in now. Uh, Chiriato, hey, pal. Um, what are your thoughts on the liability of agents acting on behalf of their clients for any breach? Is their client vicariously liable in general? Um, it depends for what. Uh, because, well, it, it literally depends for what. If you can give me a couple of examples, um, CB, that would be really good because I'm not quite sure what you had in mind, any particular examples. Um, in the meantime, I'll go on to um, Pralin. Um, thanks for the great sessions and content. Thank you very much, pal. Um, how has the advent of data and platforms transfer market Scout changed transfer value discussions with agents? Um, and can you see agents representing esports gamers, athletes within the next five years? Great questions. Um, well, uh, in terms of value discussions with agents, um, I almost still think it's the other way around where agents will have a particular value that they have in mind for either, you know, needing to um, drum up uh, demand for their client um, and ensure that a buying club can potentially bid the amount that the selling club requires. Um, or it could be in contract negotiations where um, an agent wants a much higher salary for uh, a wage for the, his client, um, but, uh, the club isn't playing ball. And so there can be various data ways and benchmarking um, possibilities for the agent to be able to use data in lots of different ways to to morph those value discussions and to try and create some more leverage and on the esports um, athletes point see agents representing esports players it's already happening now um, so yeah Sheridan's do a huge amount of work in esports that we've got a whole team dedicated to that at the moment and we um, we see um, a lot of agents in the space right now it's not as lucrative or at least not at the the lower levels but for the high elite athletes that's getting paid significant sums um, yeah there are definitely agents in that space um, question from uh, Mazar. Could you elaborate on the Darren Dean Clichy deal article I shared with you on representation? Um, I'm going to actually talk about that in a couple of days' time and talking about the split between um, uh, player um, commission and club commission. But I think, Mazar, your point there was is that what happens if um, an uh, agent who looks like they're representing the player um, actually, when the deal happens, represents the club and not the player. And the issue there in the past historically has been that HMRC um, has said that that actually um, is a disguised way of avoiding um, tax payments because that is effectively a benefiting kind payment that should be made by the player. But if the player isn't being represented on the deal or at least isn't being papered as being represented on the deal, 
then the tax authorities are losing out on money. But it was a, yeah, it was a great article you sent, so thank you for sending that through. Um, uh, Hall's Razo, so there's a question on advice on becoming a football agent. Um, I would absolutely say um, uh, dial into uh, Dr. Urquhart's talk Thursday, 4 p.m., I believe, um, on his channel, 4 p.m. UK time, and he will be able to give you much better um, career advice on being an agent than, than I could. Um, PNE UK, does a club need agents? Yeah, hopefully from what my conversation has been over the last 15, 20 minutes, you can see that sometimes, yeah, clubs um, do need agents. Scott, um, what are your thoughts on player contracts running out this summer? Will they be extended depending on the duration of the pandemic? Um, yeah, I'm going to not talk about that for too much, only because I mentioned it a bit last week and I've, I've done a couple of podcasts on it as well. So if you go to the Done Deal podcast, I've talked about it there. Um, but very briefly, FIFA have come out, has been reported, have come out with a position paper which they suggest uh, player contracts should be um, um, extended to cover for um, the remainder of the season. Query under different employment laws, whether that is a possibility or not. Um, Marco, great question. Will solicitors barristers be exempt from the exam? Not sure yet. Um, it's, not to be, it's not to be decided. Previously, there were particular exemptions, but um, yeah, I haven't got any info on um, how that will be going forward. Um, uh, Arya, are you for and against the cap FIFA wanting to implement for agents intermediary fees? Um, my general view is I don't think there should be a cap. Um, I'm more free market than that. Um, but at the same time, I can understand some of FIFA's concerns at the, the, the significant sums. Nonetheless, I think there should be a more nuanced way of doing it. And at the moment, um, I'm unsure about what that nuanced way is. But um, I think in, from my perspective, I don't believe agents should be capped just in the same way as I don't believe film um, or TV or music agents shouldn't have their commission capped as well. I'm not sure why it's specific to football and or sport. Um, Marco, surely if uh, a fixed percentage on agents with new uh, agents commission within the new regs is a breach of competition law. Yep, I think that's the, uh, yeah, that's very much the point and it could well be. Um, Nate, uh, ah, sorry, there's a point back to Stephen. Um, where you mentioned the MLS league is more stagnant, the EU is more fluid with player transfers. Also in the MLS, the league, every club has to say in transfers that are accepted from outside players. Okay, cool. Thanks for that um, description, Nate. And we are now at uh, 30 minutes. So um, hopefully that's been um, a useful 30 minutes to, to talk through. Um, if I can just do my usual recommendations very briefly, uh, what I would do for a change, I'm not going to do a book, but I'm going to do my, my magazine, which is... Um, the Economist. So it's something I try and read every week. It's absolutely vital. It gives brilliant insights into the world generally, um, especially at the moment. There's some really interesting stuff going on. Um, it's it covers politics, life, technology, um, particular types of politics. UK and US politics is something I really enjoy. Brexit stuff that um, is really specific. It does a science and tech quarterly. It does huge amounts of really interesting, in-depth, detailed pieces and thought leadership pieces. And I remember a while back when I was studying um, 
uh, in law, my law undergrad, and then my, my master's. When I was interviewing as well, more generally, this was a lifesaver because it just gave so much interesting current affairs insight. So um, you can get discounts, I know, at the moment for digital stuff. I'm not selling this at all. I'm not taking any uh, commission or anything. But just generally in terms of what I'd really recommend reading on a weekly basis. I don't read the whole thing because it's so dense, I have to say. But I read, try and read about 10 to 15 articles on this and just try and let the, the info sink in. And the other thing that's brilliant about this is it's so well written. Um, that I get some nice drafting tips whenever I'm um, thinking about um, that type of stuff too. And then, you know, all my usual stuff, um, I'm footballer basically across Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram. Um, I've got the Done Deal podcast, the Done Deal book. Um, and then lastly, um, as long as you're able to, um, please keep spreading the Noah's Ark hospice words. This is um, a charity that is um, very um, specific well I have a lot of time for really bearing in mind lots of charities are going through difficult times at the moment with funding anything you guys can do to promote the cause to donate a little bit to spread the word more generally be fantastic that's Noah's Ark Children's Hospice thanks for listening you can follow me on Twitter TikTok and Instagram at Football Law read my blogs and listen to my previous podcasts via my website danielg.com forward slash blocks please do subscribe to the done deal football podcast like share and tag me if you like the content if not my voice you'll probably also like my book done deal an insider's guide to football contracts multi-million pound transfers and premier league big business a bit of a mouthful it's available to buy in hard copy digitally and via audible all links are in the podcast show notes lastly podcast is powered by 13 which is a fashion brand i've started all proceeds go towards cancer charity research and particularly the stellar work done by john Krell, who has helped my mum through some difficult times over the last few years you can take a look at the merch and hopefully buy a t-shirt hoodie cap or all three please do spread the word and go to 13shop.co.uk that's 13shop.co.uk Thanks for listening.